our thoughts and our subject. We have uh, all the month of August, we have talked, or July rather, we have talked about being free. We talked about why we are free. And you know, we talked about we're free to, to serve the Lord and we're free to worship the Lord. Now, if you remember back to the first Sunday we preached on this, I shared with you three states of freedom. And in these three states of freedom, it's this way. It's not Winston County and Lawrence County and Coleman County, by the way. All right. But the three states, or you call it aspects, so let's call it tenses, whatever you want to call it. But number one is that we have been set free from the penalty of sin. Now, when you made Jesus Lord of your life, He took the penalty of sin, which is death, at eternal separation from God, that eternal time in hell, He took that away from you. You don't qualify for that anymore. Jesus is Lord of your life. Then, the next thing is present, is that we're being saved from the presence of I mean, from the power of sin. You know, sin has a power... And, and a lot of people are under that power and that influence of sin. And we're daily growing in that. We're daily overcoming. We're being set free on a daily basis from the power of sin. I trust that you know more today and that your life is more of a reflection of the righteousness of God today than it was when you got saved. And surely it is. And I thank God that... And the reason is is because you have been set free from the power, the pull the allure to sin. But then we talked about also the future state where we will be set free from the presence of sin. Now, I don't know about you, but this morning just to say that and to hear it sends a flutter through my spirit. To think about being saved from the very presence of sin, anything that defiles, anything that destroys, completely away from that. And uh, I've called this this morning, I've subtitled this message, The Ultimate Freedom. Now think about that. You see, we're free. Do you know, do you know that I, I heard someone say not long ago, well, I didn't hear it, I read it, that, that people that are coming here, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in agreement with illegal immigrants. If they come and do it right, I'm in total agreement with it. But let me say this, that, that a couple of those immigrants that had came across the Mexican border said this, and a, and a uh, missionary, not, well, I guess it was a missionary, was working there, and he heard them say, man, America, the ultimate freedom. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, we live in a good country. But this country is not ultimate freedom. We know that, don't we? I mean, we can't, we can't do anything we want to do. There's laws that govern what we can and can't do. But there's so much freedom. We have more freedom than they do in anywhere in the world. And thank God for that. But what I'm talking about is not being free from America, but I'm talking about being free from the very presence of sin and the effects of sin and any way that it raises its ugly head. Now, I want us this morning for a little while uh, to get... Heaven on our minds. Okay? I think one thing that happens to us is that we, that we don't have enough foretaste and foreview of heaven 
to get us beyond the things of this life to know that's where we're going one day when all of this is over with. And you may think, well, Pastor, that's just for old people. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be young people in heaven. Right? And and heaven is not just for one group of people. But heaven is for everybody that will accept Jesus into their life. And, And you say, well, if everybody made Jesus Lord of their life, there wouldn't be enough room in heaven. Well, I, this series may extend on a couple of more weeks. We'll just have to see how the Lord leads. But from what I believe the Bible teaches, there's more than ample room for everybody that wants to go to heaven to be able to go and not be crowded out. We're not going to live in some place that looks like a ghetto or a slum. We're going to live in a place that's beautiful and wonderful and marvelous. So we need, I think one reason that we get bogged down so much in this life is because that we, we don't get heavenly minded as we should. I read in the book of Colossians where it says to, that if you then be risen with Christ, set your affection or your mind and your emotions on things above, not on things of the earth, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. And that's, that's the place that we need to seek heavenly things. So we need to get heavenly minded. I remember whenever I was... Uh, well, not only just growing up, but one of the first songs that, uh, Southern Gospel songs that really caught my attention was, I woke up this morning feeling fine. And the reason was is because there would be a, a gospel music show that come on WKUL every day, and they would play that song as their theme song. Any of y'all familiar with that song? Well, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. Y'all don't mind me singing a minute, do you? I woke up with joy in my soul, for I knew the Lord had control. Well, I knew I was walking in the light, cause I stayed on my knees in the night. And I prayed till the Lord gave me sight, and now I'm feeling mighty fine. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. I've got heaven on my mind. Don't you know I want to go? Where the milk and honey flows, well, there's a light that always shines, shining in this heart of mine. I've got heaven, heaven on my mind, and now I'm feeling mighty fine. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. I think back, so I've been in church all my life, and I think back about so many songs in the hymn books, and I, I had meant to bring one out here with me, but so many songs in the in all the the standard old fashioned hymn books that had to do with heaven, that had to do with after this life. And I thought, Lord, why, why was there so much written about songs about heaven then? And I began to see in my spirit that the reason was is that these people came up in a different time than we do. You know, these folks that wrote those songs about heaven didn't go to church and sit in an air-conditioned building on a, on a padded seat. They didn't, they didn't live a high and mighty life. They didn't tote plastic money around in their pocket. They didn't drive fine automobiles. They didn't have none of these things. And so it was so simple and easy for them to get heaven on their mind. And they would sing about it. They would write about it. They would shout about it. I mean, back in that day, you want to get a people moving and grooving, you just start singing about heaven and pick it up and take it on, and they would just get so excited knowing the place that you and I are going to when this thing's over with down here. And it's so, so such a wonderful time. But, you know, here's what I think has come into us now. 
Let me go ahead and say this. I've noticed a lot of the, the more modern songs have to do with heaven. The, you know, a few years ago, Mercy Me came out with a song, and they got a movie about it now. I can only imagine. And it talks about when we get there, when we get face-to-face with the Savior. And then other songs that are talking about heaven and talking about the home over there. And, and here's what's exciting to me. Young people are listening to these songs. And, and, and so it's getting down in us, folks. I believe once again that we're going to begin to see a generation that gets heaven on their mind. Now, I, I was thinking also about Solomon. You know, Solomon's been called the wisest man that ever lived other than Jesus. And, uh, and he was to a point in his life, but, you know, I don't know the wisdom of having a bunch of wives and girlfriends running around. I hadn't got that one figured out yet. But, but anyway, <laughs> that don't sound like wisdom, does it, J.J.? <laughs> One's wisdom. Amen. Everybody say amen. One, one wife and one husband. That's wisdom. Amen. So, so anyway, uh, Solomon, he had this wisdom. He came before God and God said, what do you want me to give you? And he said, Father, all I want is wisdom to be able to lead your people in and out and go in and out before them. And this is what I want. I'm asking you to help me be able to judge this people. And God said, I'm giving that to you. But I'm also going to give you health and wealth. And I'm going to give you peace round about in all your, all your territory. And Solomon followed after that. And he, you know why he was following after that in his young days? Because he was looking to God. He was looking above this earth. And he was looking to heaven. He knew that his help, he knew that, that all he had was coming from heaven. But then Solomon, in, in all of his wealth and his pride and things, began to rise up, and he wrote about it in the book of Ecclesiastes. And 27 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he used this term, under the sun. Now, what, what that means is he'd got his eyes under the sun instead of having his eyes above the sun. So he began to give in to all kinds of vices. He began to give in to... Uh, illegitimate and illicit sex and the drinking and greed and all of these kind of things that goes along with it. Now, now let me tell you something, folks. In our day and time, it's so easy to get earthly-minded because of all the stuff that's going on. Everything that's happening, everything that's taking place all around us is pushing in, pushing in, pushing in. But we've got to get our eyes above this earth and above these things here and don't look at the things that's under the sun. He said in several places, he said, I saw the works of man hand and it was vanity under the sun. He said, I saw all the riches that people could get and it's vanity under the sun. He said, I, I saw all the women and it was vanity under the sun. And he kept on with this 27 times he used this phrase in the New King James Bible, under the sun. And we don't want to have our minds under the sun. We want to have our minds above the sun. Okay? Now, can I read some Scripture? Revelation chapter 4. Y'all don't tell I'm a little bit excited about this. I've not, I've not preached a message about heaven a whole lot, but I'm excited about getting to do it this morning. If I preach it, would that be okay with y'all? Well, thank you. A couple of us will. The rest of you just hold on. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Now, I want to stop right here a minute and think about this. Here's John, approximately 90 years old at this time from what we can understand. 
And he, he was continually preaching the Word and, and, and establishing churches, and the Roman government didn't like it. So they took him one day, made a prisoner out of him, and said, Now, unless you recant, we're going to put you in a pot of boiling oil. And I can just hear John saying, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm not going to go any other way. I know my Savior loves me, and that He cares for me. Well, they took him, and they put him in that pot of boiling oil, but the grace of God was on him, and when they brought him out, according to church history, it didn't even look like he'd been burned. So then they took him, and they put him out on this, out on this Isle of Patmos to be out there by himself, and if nothing else, let him die of loneliness. But John is out here on this island, and it's rough out there. And it's in a, a time of the year when I picture it being cold, and so... And, and he didn't have anything much to cover with and no food to eat and that kind of thing. But it comes Sunday. And on Sunday, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. On Sunday. And he said, the first voice I heard when heaven opened was a, as a trumpet, as many waters saying, come up here and I'll show you things that must be hereafter. And it seemed like he's saying, John... You having a bad day? <laughs> you having a bad week, John? What about John? What about your month? How's it been? Well, come up here, John. Come up here in the presence of the Lord, and I'll show you things. And, and up here, you'll see the beauty of God. And you say, well, well, I'm not ready to do that yet, but if we'll get heavenly minded, I'm telling you, folks, the Holy Spirit of God will lift us up above the weak and beggarly things of this world to where they don't just bind us down and grind us down. And we know that we've got a future and a hope other than just this earth, and that future and hope is to be with Him forever in heaven. Hallelujah. Heaven, in a lot of people's mind, is just a, a state of being. It's not really an actual place. They think it's just something, and some people even think it's something that we Christians make up to lure people into coming to church and, and making a commitment and giving their money. <laughs> bless their hearts. If they got one, bless them. <laughs> Heaven is a real Actual place. John chapter 14. By the way, while, while, you, while we're looking up John chapter 14, verses, verse 1. When is the last time that you thought about heaven and spoke about heaven in a positive manner other than right now? Think about that. I know there's people use it for a byword and something happens and say, Oh, my heavens. I don't, I don't like to use things of God and by words and something like that. And you say, well, what do you say, preacher, when you get aggravated? I say, well, swanny. I'll swanny. <laughs> What's a swanny? It's a river down in North Florida, okay? <laughs> I've been there. I've seen that thing. Heaven's an actual place. It's not a state of mind. It's not just a state of being. An actual place. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now listen to this statement he makes. In my Father's house are many mansions. Some translation says rooms. I, years ago there was a big dispute. Well, I'm going to have a mansion. You can have an old room if you want to. Let me tell you something, folks. I don't care if i got a mansion or a room. It's going to be plenty big enough and beautiful enough for me regardless of what it is. 
I am going to be there to live with Jesus forever. You know what's going to make heaven heaven? Heaven is not going to be heaven because I have a room or a mansion. Heaven's going to be heaven because that's where God is, that's where His throne is, and that's where Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And that's the most important ones when we get to heaven. What about our family? They're important, and we'll get into that in time to come. But the important thing is is to know that heaven is a real place. And not only that, but you and I as God's people are going to be able at a point in time to leave here and go there either by the way of, uh, of death or by the way of rapture. You say, I don't like that death thing. Let me tell you something, folks. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that death no longer has a sting and death no longer has a victory for those that believe. Isn't that good to know? So we just, we just go over there. Because he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, here's some things about heaven. First of all, heaven is the dwelling place of God. Now, we've talked about that, but we've got to rehearse it. Revelation 21 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isn't that good to know? There shall be no more death nor crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. He who sat on the throne, he's talking about God. So this is God's dwelling place. Heaven belongs to God. You got that? And when we say it belongs to God, that means that heaven belongs to God, it belongs to Jesus, and it belongs to the Holy Spirit. If you read the book of Revelation, you'll see all three of those in, in doing things and being active and being worshipped in heaven. Jesus is the right hand of the Father. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And 21 says, at, talking about Jesus that when He was raised from the dead, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him to the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might, dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Hallelujah. Think about that. Here's, here's the Father. Here's Jesus at his right hand. I, I don't want to act like I'm God, but okay. Here's the Father. Here's the Son. Together. On the throne in heaven. And it's not, they're not going to be that way. They're that way now. So heaven is where Jesus is sitting on the throne that the Father had prepared for him. There's angels in heaven. You say, well, that's, that goes without saying. Well, it, so many times people just think that angels are not what they really are. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 22, says, But you have come to Mount Zion. It, the Scripture before that talks about the children of Israel in the wilderness coming to the mountain that shook and trembled and burned and cloud and smoke and they were afraid and run back and all of that. But he said that we today have, not, have come to Mount Zion 
to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Listen, to an innumerable company of angels. Wow. Innumerable. Now, you know what that means, don't you? It means you can't count them. There's no way you can put a count on it. And so many times it talks about thousands upon thousands and ten thousand multiplied. Thousands of angels in heaven. You know, we get sometimes thinking about, well, the devil's so hard. He's got so many working with him, so many demons. But I want you to know God's got him outnumbered two to one. Hallelujah. I don't care how many demons they may be floating around, how many unholy, ungodly angels, there's twice that many angels of Almighty God to there to watch over us and take care of us. To the general assembly of the firstborn, that's us, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, all the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So, so here we are. There's angels. And not only that, but there's Christians in heaven. Those that when you, let me tell you, when you made Jesus Lord of your life, you became a citizen of heaven. And all, everyone that has died believing in Him is with the Father in heaven right now. They're not over in some holding pen. They're not off over yonder in, in, in some place hoping maybe that somebody will get them out. No, you, when you leave this earth, you either go to hell or you go to heaven. There's no in-between. There's no place there. And, it's, and the Bible tells us, and, and this is true, as the, judgment, as the death finds us, so shall the judgment. So however you die, that's how you're going to come into eternity. If you die a believer, then you're going to go where all believers do because the moment you made Jesus Lord of your life, your citizenship was changed from earth to heaven. Y'all raise your hand and say, I'm a heavenly citizen. Come on. I'm a heavenly citizen. Isn't that, don't that feel good? Man, I'm a citizen of heaven. Where are you from? Well, I'm from Alabama, but I'm a citizen of heaven. That's where my citizenship is. In Ephesians, or Philippians rather, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm ready to go, aren't you? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at that. You say, wait a minute, preacher, there's so much other. You know, why, you know why people get nervous and don't want to go when you start talking about heaven? Because their vision is still under the sun. I mean, you could at least say, oh, me. I want to go. I'm ready to go. If he calls me today, I'm ready to go. And I want you folks to know that, that you don't have to stand around and moan and groan. Matter of fact, if I leave this earth before you do, if, some, if for some reason that I pass on before the rapture takes place, don't stand around and cry over me. I know I'm a good old guy, and I know you're going to miss me. And I know you love me, and I know you care. Don't stand around and cry over me, because, folks, I'm not going to cry over you when I'm gone. I'm going to be rejoicing with angels of heaven. I'll tell you this to me, that quick. I'm talking about that quick. And my spirit's not going to wander around here for three or four days, and then finally God decides, well, come here, you're, you know, you've done enough wandering around. Hey, I'm going to heaven as soon as I leave this body and go be with Jesus. Why? Because that's where my citizenship is. Hallelujah. It's a real place filled with God's people. Real people. What would it look like? Think about that. 
heaven a real place. There's God, there's Jesus, there's the Holy Spirit, characterizes the seven spirits of God. But there, there they are in heaven. Now think about this place. Walls of jasper. We get there, we're going to go through a gate that's a pearl, one pearl. And you think, man, that was something to build that one pearl. Just think about the oyster that came from. <laughs> one pearl, a gate. And not only that, there's 12 of these. Can I tell you this? Not only 12 of them, but there's 12 of them. There's 12 of them. I won't get into that other because I might warp your mind, and I'm not ready to do that right now. But, but anyway, and, and not only that, but foundation. I was reading about the foundation of the walls. Those jasper walls. The foundation of those walls is 200 feet thick. Now, buddy, I'm telling you, you can build a whole lot on something that has a 200-foot wide foundation. Especially that's made out of the things this made out of. All those precious stones, 12 different stones that it mentions here, are there in that foundation. And can you, can you just imagine the beauty of this? And, how, and, and then when we walk in, we're going to walk on streets of gold. Not just streets that are paved with gold, streets that are made of pure gold. And that gold is going to be so pure that it'll look like it's crystal clear as we walk through it. Man, I'm telling you what, isn't that going to be a beautiful sight? But there's other things. See, Revelation 21, verse 8, says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, there's going, we're going to a city with no pollution. Won't be any hazy skies. No crime or violence. Last night we were sitting there and I was doing some things and Loretta was in the room with me and we heard a siren and we heard another siren and we heard another siren and Loretta said, I wonder what's going on out there. But there won't be any of that in heaven. No crime, no violence. Every time you turn on the news, I, I turned on the news at 10 last night and the first three lead stories on the news at 10 o'clock was about somebody being murdered. Now, folks, I'm telling you, can't think about it. There's not going to be any of that. No crime, no violence. There's not going to be any greedy politicians. Amen. And there's not going to be any elections when we get to heaven. All that's gone. Just think about it. Walking down the street of Golan, there's absolutely not one vote for me sign on it anywhere. <laughs> Glory to God. No drug dealers. There won't be any drug use going on there. There there not many child molesters in heaven. No, here's here's one. There will not be any negative, judgmental people. Every every word will be sweet and nice and wonderful. Folks, I get so tired of negativism. That that seems like sometimes that, that people can't talk unless it's something negative that's got to come out of their mouth. I get so tired of that. And arguments. People want to argue about the least little thing. But in heaven, there's not going to be any of that kind of thing go on. And here's something for all you teenagers. There's not going to be any school in heaven either. Teenagers ought to say amen. You know, not going to be any hurt feelings. Your feelings. Your, can you think about living with your around your relatives that are saved for a million years? And you never hurting their feelings or they never hurt your feelings. 
get together for a heavenly family thing and nobody's saying anything to put anybody down. You're just enjoying around that, that, all of that heavenly food and just enjoying the... You say, where do you get that out of the Bible? Listen, there's things that's not in the Bible. But I can imagine... Because in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has in store for those that love Him. Folks, as I talk about these things, it still is not to compare with what's over there. We don't know what it's going to be. But we know it's going to be good. We know it's going to be wonderful when we get there. No tears. No sorrow. No pain. No regrets. No remorse, no policemen, no fire trucks, no first responders, no bitterness. Bitterness gone forever. Get a hold of this one. Failure left behind. You may think in your life, my life is nothing but a failure. If you're Jesus is Lord of your life, when you cross over, all that failure is going to be left behind. You're not taking it with you. See, if you live in thoughtful and you feel like a, a failure, if you move to Birmingham, you're still going to feel like a failure. Or if you move to Philadelphia, you're going to feel like a failure. But when we move to heaven, folks... We're not going to feel like a failure. All of that's going to be gone. Everything that you failed out in life is going to be gone and wiped away. And, and it will not follow you into that holy city. No suffering. No eyeglasses. No hearing aids. No false teeth. No aching joints. No wheelchairs. No braces. No crutches. No baldness. Amen. No hospitals, no nursing homes, no doctors, no aspirins, no opioids in heaven. Accidents over, cancer disappears, no strokes, no heart attacks. In heaven, no one grows old and grows feeble, so there'll be no cemeteries, no funeral homes, no undertaker. And let me tell you why there's not going to be any undertakers in heaven. It's because the upper taker, Jesus, is coming to get us. Can you give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah. If you could travel at the speed of light, and we've not developed anything that can go light speed yet. I don't think has a brother Gary. Working on it, but hadn't got it yet. Let me tell you, when they get that perfected, that speed of light way of traveling, Mercury is our closest planet, and you could travel to Mercury in three and a half minutes at the speed of light. That's pretty quick, isn't it? Jupiter is 390 million miles away, and it would take you 35 minutes at the speed of light. Saturn is 793 million miles away, and there it would take you an hour and 10 minutes traveling at the speed of light. Neptune is 2.7 billion. Pluto is 3.8 billion miles away. These would take you a few hours to get there. But you'd still get there. But let me tell you something, folks. When we go to heaven... It's going to be immediately. John said, I heard the voice say, come up hither, and immediately I was in heaven. Immediately. If you leave this earth by the way of death, as I said earlier, immediately you're going to be with Him in heaven. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Christ. With, with Christ. And, and then, folks, I would much rather be absent from this body than present with, and present with Christ than to be Absent from Christ, present in this body, wouldn't you? Absent here, but present there. 
C.S. Lewis, the one that wrote the screw tape letters, the line and the wardrobe, he made this statement. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. Think about that. You know, and I said, maybe we're not affecting this world like we need to because we're worldly-minded instead of getting heaven on our mind. And then he went ahead and said, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. See, the, the most thing that gets on our mind is just what's going on now. But folks, let me tell you something. Heaven is a real place. And Jesus has promised us in John chapter 14 that I will come again and receive you unto myself. When is he going to do that? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again. And he went, didn't he? Didn't he go? I mean, there's so much record of that that he went. I mean, as the disciples looked on him, here he went up into heaven. He had that glorified body, and that's the kind of body that you and I'll have. But he said, I'm coming again and receive you unto myself, and I'm going to take you with me. And where I am, there you may be also. I had not got this scripture down. Bo, you can turn to it if you want to. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul said this. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, I hate to use that word ignorant, but that's what it says in Old King James. Help, help you to be unknowledgeable. Okay? Don't offend nobody. Concerning those who are sleeping Jesus, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Nearly every funeral I do anymore, I use that Scripture right there. Because, folks, we're going to sorrow. But we're not to sorrow as others that does not have any hope. But listen what else it says. But if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who are sleeping Jesus. But this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will, not, will by no means precede those who are asleep, or those that don't mean that they died in their sleep someplace and going to get woke up. That means they're buried. That When you see that in relation to Christians in the New Testament, it's not soul sleep, they're buried. And, and one day, there's going to be... Well, let me read on. And for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain will not precede them. But we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. And the next verse says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Listen, folks, it's a comfort to know that there's going to come a day and time, and, and if we're still alive, that the heavens are going to open, and there's going to be a rumbling, and there's going to be a voice of the archangel, and there's going to be a trump of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, said, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, or we shall not all be buried, but we'll all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. For at the last trump, the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed to go to heaven and be with Him forever and forever and forever and forever. And when we get through with that verse, it'll be forever and forever and forever and forever. It's going to be more than just 10,000 years. Let me tell you something about heaven, folks. There is no regard of time in heaven. There's no clocks on the wall. There's no calendars on the wall. 
You won't even have an iPhone with a calendar on it that beeps to tell you about your appointments. All of that's going to be gone. Because in heaven, it's just continual joy. The only time limit that there is in heaven is forever. 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 Now, if we believe that Jesus is coming, and I have to admit I do, I believe that with all my heart. And if we believe that that heaven is a real place, and I do, then, folks, we're going to do something about it to get ready to be there. In First John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. If this, if this message, Lord, continue to lead me on in this message, we're going to talk about that glorified, resurrected body what Jesus looks like, what we'll look like, and and it'll all come together. But listen to this next verse, verse 3. And everyone, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Do you believe heaven's a real place? Listen to this. Everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as he is pure. And the Greek rendering of that means that he keeps himself pure. And what that means is that we, that we endeavor to live above the things of this life instead of making excuses for why we can live in it. This tells me in this verse, if I believe Jesus is coming back, there's, there's, there's a, an obligation that I have on my part to accept the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and walk in that righteousness and grow in that righteousness to where I can be everything I need to be. And, and, and then to keep myself pure. You remember we talked about you that were here Wednesday night. We talked about in Acts chapter 15 how that the council told those new Christian, those new Gentile Christian converts that said to keep yourself from things offered to idols. And just as that command came to them, then folks, you and I are to keep ourselves from the things of this world instead of letting them pollute us and coming to the point that we feel like just anything is okay that we walk with that expectation that we walk with the understanding that heaven is real and heaven is moving and heaven could be at any time. Jesus could come and get us, or we could go out of this earth at just any time. So we need to walk. I'm not talking about walking in any kind of fear, but walking in the Word of God, walking in the Spirit of God, walking and living a life that shows Jesus in everything that we do. And listen, folks, I don't want to get us so high-minded on heaven, and I want us to be heavenly-minded, but I want that to affect the way we live here on this earth and the things we do on this earth. You know, I'm telling you this, not everybody you know is going to heaven. It's been said a lot of times that when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised at some folks that didn't make it. Because we thought they would, you know. And not only that, but we're also going to be surprised at some of the folks that's there. We didn't think they ought to go. And we're not going to call Jesus off the side. And Jesus, you know, what is Bill Dixon doing here? I went to church and I know him. What is he doing? No, there won't be none of that. Let me tell you. If you see that kind of thing going on, first of all, they're not going to be talking to Jesus and they're not going to be standing in heaven. Now, Satan is opposed 
to the thought of heaven. Satan is opposed to the teaching of heaven. He's opposed to the God of heaven. Revelation chapter 13, verse 6, it says, "Then he." this is talking about in the end time, just before the Antichrist comes into rule and reign, and he's beginning to move in that direction. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And that day Satan is going to, through his uh, imp, the Antichrist, is going to begin to open his mouth and it's going to come in three directions. First of all, he's going to blaspheme the person of God by blaspheming the name of God. Then he's going to blaspheme God's people. Because, folks, let me tell you, Satan was in heaven. Satan was in the presence of God. But because of pride and arrogance, he was kicked out of heaven. And now then he wants us to have a warped view and a warped sense of heaven, and just think, man, you, you can get, you can get, do anything in this life and go there. You know, he even to this point to where there's many ways to get to heaven. No, there's not. There's not many ways. And if you got that in your mind, there's not. Let me tell you, when it comes to going to heaven, your way is the wrong way unless it's centered in Jesus, the way. That's the only way you can go to heaven. Jesus said to those disciples that night, in the same time that He gave them John, the first that we read in John chapter 14, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by Me. The way. He's the way. The only way. Buddha's not the way. Mohammed's not the way. Islam is not the way. None of these things. Allah's not the way. I mean, all of these things that you can put together, unless Jesus is the one you're looking to, that's the only way you can go and go. But Satan has put this thing out. Satan, even this point, well, you know, he teaches people this. I just believe that whenever this life's over, everybody's going to be in heaven. Uh, can you imagine that abortionist being in heaven just because that he's a person and it's the end time and God's good? right along beside that woman that had the abortion then later repented to God. Think about that. You think, you think just because God's a good God that one day heaven's just going to be there and everybody's going to be there and Hitler's going to stand right beside Jewish rabbi. No, 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 no. No. Not everybody is going to heaven, but everybody that wants to can. But you've got to come through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. And Satan has tried to pervert that. See, he's tried to pervert and blaspheme the name of God. He's blasphemed the people of God. And then God's place. God's tabernacle. But oh, I'm going to tell you, one last scripture I'm going to leave with you is in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're not going to quit talking about heaven. Heaven is being a real place. Heaven is being a place where I'm going. When this life's over, I'm not going to quit talking about heaven because of any kind of public opinion, any kind of governmental authority, any kind of pressure Satan may put on, or whether anybody else ever hears and believes what this preacher has to say. I'm not going to quit talking about heaven, but I'm going to rejoice in the fact. Listen to what he said. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. There, I got some reservations in heaven. There's some things reserved for me there, and I intend to go get it one of these days. Who, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And in the first part of that sixth verse, he says, In this you greatly rejoice. Greatly rejoice that we have a home in heaven, that we're going to be there, that this life is going to be over with. And folks, it's going to be glorious. Glor- I'm telling you, glorious forever and forever and forever. And when I talk about it, when I think about it, when I sing about it, it moves in my soul to know that one day I'm going to be with Him forever and forever. What about you? Amen. We'll give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We can't wait for heaven to get ready for heaven. Don't think, well, I'm young and I'm going to live my life and do what I want to do and then one of these days I'll be ready. Folks, let's don't get that kind of attitude. Today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the time to know that you're ready when this life's over with to move on up to be with Him. How do you do that? He said, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that He's Lord, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, I believe, I believe in the power of God to heal and I, I thank God that we see that. We see miraculous things happen here. On this earth, I thank God that we see people say, we see God answer prayers and, and folks open their heart up to the Lord and, and, and call on Him and God comes through for them time after time after time. I'm so glad to see that, folks. I'm glad to know that I have learned some things about living victorious. And I believe I have. I believe today that, that I'm an overcomer. And I have a revelation of what it means to be an overcomer more than a conqueror in this life. I'm so glad of that. I'm so glad that there's been times that God has touched this body and healed me. There's been times that I've been down and out and God's reached down and picked me up. I thank the Lord for that. There's been times I've called on Him and, 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 and took the authority over the devil and I've seen the devil flee. I'm so thankful for that. Let me tell you more than anything else, folks. I'm thankful for the knowledge that one of these days I'm going to be with Him forever. And over there, we won't have to put up with any of the junk that's down here. Aren't you glad? Y'all bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, I thank you today.